Well, this morning I, I stand here really as a result of of two incredibly influential women in my life. Of course, the first being my mother, who uh, was, even before I was born, was a, a godly woman, still is. And, and I wrote her a card this week and told her, I said, I'm going to be preaching Sunday morning about mothers who simply pass along the Scripture and the love for Jesus to their children. I said, thank you. I can't say thanks enough for doing that for me. And, and that's the way my mother was and is. And, and I'm, I'm so grateful to have grown up in a home where Jesus was exalted and still is. And my mother, I remember from early on, in fact, my testimony, if I were to give it, my story of faith in Jesus begins really with my mother. I remember 1985, sitting on my bed uh, in our small home there in southwest Louisville, Kentucky, and sitting on the edge of my bed as an eight-year-old little kid and being broken as I talked with my mother about my need for Jesus and giving my life to Him right there in that moment. And, and then for years later, her continued pouring into me the Scriptures and her, her love for the Lord. And you know, I, I stand here not because my mother was perfect. She would admit to you that she's not. But I'm thankful to have had a woman in my life, my mother in particular, who who gave me so much and passed along so much. And, of course, she then handed off the baton when I was really in college to my wife, who was at the time my girlfriend and later my fiancé, and now my wife of nearly 15 years. We're, we're closing in on that next month. And so uh, thankful to now have both a godly wife and a godly mother to my four children. And so I, I, I don't know uh, how, how that affects you. I just want you to know I'm, I'm extremely grateful. I, I do not take lightly what God has given me and the influences that God has placed around. And I look around our church and I think about the godly women here, whether you're a grandmother, a, a mother, whether you have children living in your home or not, I hope this morning is, is simply an encouragement to you. And I also hope it is a challenge as well. So what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to unload for you everything that I know about being a mom. A really short, short sermon. Let's close in prayer. That's all I got. I got nothing. I got nothing. You know, it, it, I've learned a few things, though, from the outside looking in about what it takes to be a mom. And I'll tell you this, I really don't know anything about being a mom, as you obviously know. And secondly, I'm not sure I'm man enough to do it anyway. And so uh, it, it really is a challenge. You know, I, I saw a study this, this past week, some survey results that simply revealed, in most cases, what we already know, that moms are, are stressed out. And, uh, and, and motherhood takes most of your time. And it doesn't guarantee satisfaction in life. Isn't that interesting? It stresses you out. It, it takes all your time. And it, there's no guarantee that motherhood is going to give you a return on that investment. I mean, that's just the way that it is. I, 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 the study further revealed that moms are constantly comparing themselves to other moms and constantly comparing their children to the children of other moms. And I know you don't have to nod and say, I do that, but it's what happens. You do that all the time. The study revealed that moms are twice as likely to get physically ill from their stress as are other women. Moms with children in their home. Moms feel spread way too thin at work, at home, or both. And here are some of the numbers that this George Barna study revealed. 62% of moms say they are dissatisfied, dissatisfied with the balance between their work and home life. 62%. 80% of moms say they're stressed out. The other 20 are just not paying attention. I just don't... 
There's no way. They're just blissfully unaware of what's going on in their lives. There's no way that 20% of those, they're lying. I don't know. They're clueless. I don't know. 70% of moms say they're tired all the time. And again, the other 30, I just, they're, they're, I don't know what they're doing, but 56% of moms say they're overcommitted. They just got too much going on. 15% of moms say they want to improve at work. 12% want to improve with their family. 24% want to improve at church. 15% want to improve with friends. Now, this is interesting and sort of a side note, I'll be honest with you. When it comes to an inferiority complex or a superiority complex, when moms look at social media, and I realize that some moms in here spend many of their waking hours on Twitter and Facebook and other such things. When you compare yourself with other people on social media, here's what most women, most moms rather, find. That they overwhelmingly feel inferior when it comes to status and prestige compared to those other women. Also, they feel inferior when it comes to their creativity, their ability to accomplish tasks or their career and their job. But interestingly enough, they feel very, very superior when it comes to comparing themselves on parenting skills. They look at social media and say, I'm not doing so bad. (laughs) And so we see, of course, that being a mom means that you're overworked, you're stressed, you're tired, you're significantly underpaid, and you don't always have satisfaction in life. Now, I'll be honest with you, I can't cover all that in one sermon. I mean, we'd be here till next Mother's Day trying to cover all that stuff. But, but what I hope to do, honestly, is just provide a simple step forward towards some freedom, towards some simplicity for moms. Now, I recognize that in preaching this sermon, not everybody is a mom with children in your home. I get that. But I do think it's appropriate from time to time to pause, especially on a day like Mother's Day, and let's address a certain demographic, if you will. Let's talk about moms and their influence and grandmothers and their influence. Because one day you may be there. One day the Lord may give you influence in that way. Being a mom is difficult. It's hard to know what's most important. How do you pick something? How do you focus? Can it be simplified? I think what we'll see in the scripture today is a great example of how a man was impacted and influenced by a mom who seemed to have a singular focus and goal. So turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Now we're going to focus on two different passages of Scripture here in this little letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1 is where we'll start. And then we will pick up sort of the rest of the story about Timothy and his mother in chapter 3. So for me, this kind of goes together. Paul's going to talk about this early in this letter and then again later. If you've got a Bible handy, turn there. If you need to get there on your phone or on your tablet or somehow... There's ways you can do that, and you can certainly follow along on the little sheet that's inside your bulletin, the little outline. So however it is you get to the Scripture, let's look at it together. And I I want to read these two passages of Scripture, and then what I'm going to come back to is just breaking this down a little bit. So here are the two passages of Scripture that we're going to look at this morning. Paul says to Timothy in his letter, his second letter to him, now just so you know, Timothy was his understudy. Paul was his mentor. Paul's kind of raising him to be a pastor, and he understands, and he gets to know Timothy, and he recognizes some things about him. Here's what he says, chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with great joy, clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then in your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced is in you also. 
And then chapter 3, fast forwards, and I'll catch up real quick. He's talking about no matter what else happens, no matter if people turn their backs on God or not, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He says all scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Moms, I want to ask you a question this morning. What is it that you want for your children? Really, if you, if you were to have to make a list this morning, what really do you want? These are my goals for my children. There are lots of different things. We have four children living in our home, and, and each of them is different. And they all have different interests. And we have certain goals and things that we talk about. We'd love to see them be able to do this. What is it that you would write down? I want you to know this morning that the goal I'm going to give you for being a mom will make it more difficult to be a mom. Now, that's really encouraging. I'm just going to lead off with that. I'll tell you up front. This isn't going to be easy. It's simple. It's possible by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's not easy. And it's certainly, and as I'll tell you again a little later, it's impossible on your own. But it is a worthy goal, and I believe the worthy goal for moms to do. What is it that moms should want for their children? I think we get... An idea of what, if you were a mom and this was said about your child, you would say, I think I've gotten it. I think that I've done what God had called me to do. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's what Paul says about Timothy. He's writing to him and he says, I thank God when I constantly remember you in my prayers day and night. So he says, you're on my mind. So I mention you in my prayers all the time and I thank God for you. Moms, for just a second, think about what it would be like if somebody came to you and said, you know what, your your son, your daughter, they're on my mind constantly, and I just pray for them. I thank God for who they are. I don't know if you ever had it happen to you. Just to say, I'm so thankful for your children. They may be grown or not grown. I'm so thankful that they're, they're such a blessing, and I'm praying for them. And what an incredible goal to have to say that somebody would say, I, I think of your children and I'm praying for them and I thank God for them. And Paul goes on to say in verse 4, he says, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. He says, Timothy, you're on my mind. And my response is that I can't wait to see you again. I can't wait to hang out with you. Talk about what God is doing in your life. And the reason is because you just, you make my life be filled with so much joy. But imagine as a mother, as a parent, somebody coming to you and saying, you know, I, your son, your daughter, they're, they're on my mind all the time. I, I can't wait to get together with them and just talk about what God is doing because they bring me such incredible joy. What a, what a great goal to have. And then he says in verse 5, clearly recalling your sincere faith. He says, you're on my mind. And the first thing I think of, Timothy, is how much you love Jesus. That's the first thing I think of. What if as a parent... What if your goal was to save somebody would come to you and say, you know what, I constantly, your children are always on my mind. I'm praying for them. I thank God for them. Uh, There's such a joy to be around. And the first thing I think of is their incredible faith in the Lord. Now, I don't know what kind of goals you have for your children, but those are pretty lofty. And I really believe also, as you fast forward over to verse 14 of chapter 3, that every mom should want their children to be able to rise to the challenge that Paul gives Timothy. Look what he says. He, he talks about all these people are going to turn their back on God. He says, but no matter what, but as for you, continue in what you have learned 
and firmly believed. Well, what a great goal that no matter what happens, and if you haven't paid attention in the world today, it's not exactly God and Jesus friendly. It's not exactly popular these days as maybe it once was to love Jesus. What if your children were those who said, no matter what happens, I will hold firmly to what I believe. Those are some great goals. And and let me be honest with you for a second. Moms and dads, if this is not included in the goals you have for your children, then you're missing the mark. I I don't know how else to say it. You're off base. You're wrong. (laughs) And if these aren't the goals that I have for my children, if this isn't what's included, then, then it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what kind of actress Lucy becomes or baseball player Hank becomes or gymnast that Nora becomes or whatever Duke decides he's going to do next. I don't know. Whatever kind of mess he makes in our home. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter those things. If my primary goals are not set up around them loving Jesus... If I don't do those things and set my mind to it and do all that I can, then I've failed. I'm selling my children short. The question then becomes, okay, well, I see those things and I see that example. And Paul sort of hints toward these things with Timothy's mother. What was the the role of Timothy's mother in all of this? I think we get the answer, really, as you look in verse 5 of chapter 1. He says, I clearly recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice. So it's passed down. This, this was taught. And that I am convinced is in you also. Here it is, moms. If you do only one thing as a mom, do this. Pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. Pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. Paul says in verse 5, I I recall your sincere faith. This living faith in you, it's genuine. It's without hypocrisy. It's both inside and out. You're not just going through the motions, Timothy. I know you really believe this. You're really committed to the Lord. And he said that was first living in your grandmother and then in your mother. It was this living faith, not not a dead faith, not some traditionalist kind of faith that I go through the motions that his mother passed on. This was living, active faith. In fact, what's interesting is that Timothy's grandmother and his mother, as far as we know, were both Jewish. And as far as we know, his father was Greek, which meant that his mother passed along a faith that his father did not share. So this wasn't something she did just because it was popular. Because it wasn't even popular in her home. Her faith was real to her. It was living. It was genuine. I love the word that Paul used. It first lived in your grandmother and in your mother. It was alive. It was active. It was the driving force in her life. It wasn't an add-on that she just sort of did when it was convenient or that she simply talked about when it was popular. And I thank God for mom's some of whom and many of whom may be here who have taken the lead spiritually with their children when their husbands or the fathers of their children would not. And we can say all day long, well, that, the man should participate and so on. Yes, absolutely. But praise God for those women who said, I don't care what else happens, my children will understand the love of Jesus Christ. Whether or not my husband or the father comes along, I, I'm going to do it. Of course, it's best and it works best if both are involved. But praise God for those who say, you know what, I'm going to do it even if no one else does. Praise God for those grandmothers and, and those mothers who have prayed faithfully for their children and grandchildren for so many years. 
I mean, many of you here, if I were to ask you to come up and let's talk about that, many of you here would have a story to say, you know what? My dad didn't care much about the Lord, but my mom did. My grandmother did. Some of you have those kind of stories. Praise God for people like Lois and Eunice in this scripture, who regardless of whether Timothy's dad was involved in his spiritual nurturing, his mom said, I'm taking the lead. I'm going to make sure that he understands this living faith. It lived in her. There's nothing more important, mom, than you can do than to model and to pass along and to teach a living faith, sincere faith, one that's just built on simple trust and obedience to the Lord. You see, I don't, I don't even know what that looks like. It's just simply taking God for his word and putting it into practice in the stuff of everyday life. That's simple trust. That's living faith. Paul also told Timothy to keep going in his love for Scripture. This was a living faith and then a love for Scripture. I, 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 really, I love this in verse 14 of chapter 3. Look at it. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. Keep going, Timothy, in this, this scripture. What he had learned and firmly believed was what the Bible had said. Guess where that came from? It came from his mother and his grandmother. They had taught him. Verse 15, he says, You know from childhood you've known the sacred scriptures. His mother and grandmother both believed them. They lived them. They loved the scripture. And they taught those things to Timothy. This love for scripture for them began... As the Old Testament shows us over and over with what's called the fear of God. Understanding who He is, recognizing His greatness and His holiness and our standing before Him apart from His grace. The fear of God. And then obviously they spent time as, as any mom who, who sees this example and wants to follow should. They spent time digesting the Scripture letting it fill up their minds, and then putting it into practice in the stuff that happens every single day. That's what his grandmother did. That's what his mother did. And you see Paul saying, Timothy, keep going in that. You've been passed along this living faith, this love for Scripture. Don't quit. Don't stop. I know, Mom, you're stressed. and You're tired. And you're overworked. And you're not sure if you're doing well as a mom. But if you do only one thing, you may not be able to keep the dishes clean and the laundry may pile up for two weeks and you have a next day pile for your kids. It's sort of dirty, but you can wear it the next day. It'll be all right. <laughs> Turn those underwear inside out, buddy. It'll be all right. It's just fine. We'll be honest in church, can't we? That's the way it is. You know, you, you may say the floor never gets swept. The kids just make a mess. There's stuff all over the place. But if you do only one thing, don't let it be the dishes. Don't let it be the laundry. Don't let it be sweeping the floor. If you do only one thing, focus squarely on passing along to your children, your grandchildren, whomever it is God has given you influence over, passing along a living faith and a love for Scripture. Because one day the house will be clean because the kids won't be there. One day there won't be as much laundry because hopefully they'll take it with them and not bring it back for you to do anymore. But what's going to make a difference in their lives is not whether your house was clean, whether your dishes were done, whether they had clean clothes every single day or they picked it up and wore it again. What's going to make a difference in their lives is if they see in you and they see you model and pass along to them a living faith and a love for Scripture. That's what matters. Now that sounds all well and good, but how do you do that? <laughs> Where do I start? We've got moms here today who say, all right, I'm, I'm motivated. I'm ready to go, but I, okay, I'm going to walk out and life is going to happen. 
And those dishes are waiting on me. They're, you know, making my list right now. Stuff I got to do on Mother's Day to clean the house. You know, that's how can you start? I think what we find here from Paul is some implication of what it seems that Timothy's mother did for him. First, how do you begin? Paul tells us in verse 14, you know those who taught you. I would encourage you, moms, let your kids know you. Let them know you. You know those who taught you, Paul said. Paul wanted to be sure that Timothy remembered. Now think back, Timothy. Don't forget the example. Don't forget who those women were and what they were about and what you learned from them. You know, you don't learn anything from people you don't truly know. You don't really have impact on your life from them if you don't really know them. It's not easy for parents, I'll tell you that. Especially if you have younger children and stage of life just is going and going and going and... You're trying to work and keep up and all that. It's not easy, especially for moms who are stressed out from those responsibilities you have at work or at home or both. But if you're going to let your kids know you the way that it seems that Timothy got to know his mother and his grandmother, it's going to require availability. I told you this wasn't going to be easy. And this is going to be a challenge, and there's no question. It's, it's difficult. It, it requires you to be available. It, it requires you to give time, both kinds, quality and quantity. Don't believe the lie that your kids understand what quality time is. They don't know. They just know time. They just know you're there. They're not making a list. Mom gave me five minutes today of quality time. I feel better about myself. They just know mom read me a story. Mom was there. We talked after I got home from school. Whatever it is, I texted mom today. That's all they know. They're not making a list of quality versus quantity time. Just give time. You say, I don't have time. Make it. I can't put it any simpler than that. I don't know what else to tell you. There is time. We all have the same amount. Make the time that it takes to know and let your kids know you. It also requires talking with them. But then at some point, stopping talking and listening to them. That's hard. It requires studying your children to really understand what makes them tick. And that's different. Because as they grow, it changes every day. (laughs) Every day they're different. It also involves, though, if you're going to let them know you, admitting your weaknesses. And we buy the lie that parents have to be perfect and that I should never let them see my weaknesses. It requires apologizing. I wonder, parents, when is the last time that you apologized to your children for something? I don't care if it's big or small. Just to look them in the eyes and say, Mom was wrong, Dad was wrong, and I'm sorry, I need your forgiveness. That's one of the hardest things you'll ever do as a parent, isn't it? They look up to you, and maybe you think that if I apologize, if I admit weakness, then now they're going to do what I did. When you let them see how you deal with things, let them know you. I believe that's what captures the relationship and draws you closer together. So let your kids know you. Secondly, start as early as possible. Timothy is told here by Paul in verse 15, and you know that from childhood you have known the sacred scriptures. It's the idea of him being just a very young boy. When his mother and his grandmother began to teach him, they didn't wait until they thought, well, maybe he'll understand at this point. It's above him. They they taught him as early as possible. 
And maybe for some of us, we don't teach our children that much, maybe because we don't fully understand it. And I'll tell you this, and this may be a little bit of a side note, but if you can't explain it to a five or six-year-old, you don't get it. You don't understand it. I can tell you that based upon coaching baseball with five and six-year-olds, and now eight and nine-year-olds. There's stuff that I say to them, and they look at me like a deer in headlights. They don't have the first clue what I'm saying. I have to look myself in the mirror. I'm not sure I know what I'm saying either. Begin as early as possible. Put it in language and, and help them understand on their level. And that involves some sort of plan. You have to be intentional about this. If you're going to do that, it's not just going to happen. Let me tell you, Satan is going to fight against you at every turn to prevent you from having an opportunity to talk with your children when they're very young about the Scripture. He's going to put busyness in your way, fill your life up with overcommitment and all the stuff, and you've got to be intentional about it. Take advantage of teachable moments. Don't let them pass by. Connect them to God's Word and who God is and His overall plan for the world. Go with them. Participate with them in the activities that they're involved in, wherever they may be, and certainly with the church. There's something powerful, yes, about bringing your children to church, but don't just bring them. Come with them. And I mean in body and in mind and in spirit. Come with them. Participate, talk with them. Start as early as possible. I realize some for some parents you say, that time has passed for me. Start now on your knees praying for your children. I can't say anything about what's happened in the past. That's gone. Start today. Start as early as possible. And today may be the first time you do it. Start as early as possible. And thirdly, teach them about the importance and the relevance of Scripture. Teach about the importance and the relevance of Scripture. Look in verse 15. He says, You've known the sacred Scriptures, which first are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then he says, here's the importance. All Scripture is inspired by God. It comes from Him. It's by Him. It's about Him. It's to us. That's its importance. It's God's story, the central character being His Son, Jesus Christ. It's important because it describes his activities from eternity past in recorded history and for eternity future. It's important because he gave it to us because without his revealed word, without the scriptures, we can't truly know who God is in the detail that we have there. It's important because we can't find God on our own. So he revealed himself to us. It's important because we learn about the nature and the character and the actions and the will of God and His plan of salvation. It's important and our kids need to know that it is vitally important to their lives. They need to understand that apart from the Scripture, they cannot understand who God is. They cannot know the story of Jesus Christ and His death and His resurrection. They cannot know that apart from Scripture. It's vitally important. But it's not just important to the sense we need to thump them over the head and say, the Bible says this, God said that. That. Do this, don't do that. It's relevant as well. They're going to ask, why, why does this matter? It's important because it comes from God. And then how does it help me? Paul goes on to tell us, all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable, verse 16. It's helpful for teaching. That means it shows us right from wrong. He had just alluded to the fact that it's, it, it's helpful. It shows us the way of salvation in verse 15, verse 15. And it's also helpful for teaching. And then he says for rebuking. It's that whistle. <laughs> it calls us back and we've gotten out of line. Say, so hold on just a second. You're going down a path you don't need to go down. That's not right. Turn around. He says it's also helpful for correcting. That simply means to set us back up when we've fallen. You realize God doesn't kick you when you're down? That's only other people. He helps you get back up and get back on the horse and ride again. 
Paul says it's also helpful for training and righteousness, showing us what steps to take, the path that God has for us. Verse 17 says it's helpful to make us complete and equipped for what God has for us. We can be totally ready to take on any task that God has given us. So teach about the importance the relevance of Scripture. Where do you start with all of this? Passing along this living faith, this, this love for Scripture, we'll start by letting them know you. Begin as early as you can and, and teach about. Teach about the importance. Why does it matter and the relevance? How does this help me of Scripture? And so moms, if you do nothing else, if you do nothing else, pass along a living faith and a love for Scripture. But remember this. You can't pass along what you don't have, and you can't do this on your own. Jesus told His disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the same truth applies to us today. Apart from a living faith and a love for Scripture, you cannot know the Lord. You cannot be changed by Him. So maybe today it's simply time for moms, or maybe for you as you've been impacted by what you've heard, to simply turn it all over to the Lord. Confess to Him your sin. Repent from that sin. And trust the Lord to receive forgiveness and to start over. That's the power of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, is to give you the empowerment you need to live a life of obedience to the Lord. To give you the power you need to start over and be made clean and start fresh. And it's yours to receive today. This is difficult. And it's impossible apart from a living faith in Jesus. But with Him, all things are possible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I I pray for those who are impacted this morning by Your Scripture and those who who simply need to confess and repent. God, don't let us get away without doing that. Don't let us receive a challenge or any discouragement or anything like that apart from simple repentance in You and then, Lord, challenge us and encourage us. I pray for the moms who feel so far behind, who feel like life is overwhelming them. I pray that You'd set them free, not because of this sermon, but because of who You are. Help us, Lord. As we'll sing in a moment about your amazing grace, we pray that that is what overwhelms us as parents. It's what overwhelms the moms and the grandmothers. That you'd give us that grace and strength we need. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.